All right, good afternoon. Good to see all of you guys. It's a hot day outside. But it feels really good in here. Praise the Lord. All right, so hey, uh, if this is your first time here, we want you to know why a city like church exists. That our church exists to see all people know, love, and follow after Jesus. And even if you're not a Christian, we hope that you would feel welcomed here and that you would hear about the good news of who Jesus is. Alright, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 33. Right. Jump back into Mark. And as you're turning there, uh, I remember it was, it was back in 2006, December 14th. I was a young 20-year-old guy, and I showed up to my uh, girlfriend's house, my wife now. And it was about three days before my birthday. And so I, I walk into uh, her house, and, and her, her dad actually answers the door, and I walk upstairs, and she had decorated this whole place to celebrate my birthday. That tradition still continues today. And, and as I, I walked into the room, I was, I was blown away and, and I began to, to tell her how I felt about her. And I remember she sat me down right on this couch next to her room and she looked me in the face. And she basically said, Listen, we need to get real. If you're gonna Oh sorry. Alright? If we're gonna date, I need to know that you're serious about this relationship and that it's heading toward marriage. And I was just a 20-year-old kid, I thought she was beautiful, I liked her, and up until this point we were just dating, and I was completely shocked. But her point was, listen, if I'm going to go through all the hard way, or all the hard work of relationship, being vulnerable, right, working through this stuff, I want to know that it's going somewhere and that you're committed. And as we look at the passage in Mark, Jesus has a very similar conversation with his disciples. It's this get real moment. That up until this point, the disciples have had their opinions about who Jesus is. Maybe he's a teacher, maybe he's a miracle worker, but today Jesus asked them this question Who do you say that I am? And Jesus knows that as human beings, we have opinions about everything, right? Uh, we have opinions from everything, from politics to, to food to, to everything else. And when it comes to Jesus, everybody has an idea of who they think he is. But when it comes to the person of Christ, are opinions enough? Jesus is going to ask every single person here today through the text, I know people say this about me, but who do you say that I am? And 
透过这个经文在问我们每一个人。我知道大家都这样子讲我，但是对你而言，我是谁？ So、let's stand for the reading of the word of God. 我们一起站起来，恭读神的话语。We're going to be in verses 27 through 33, but we're just going to read the first three verses. 虽然我们的经节呢是在八章二七到三十三节，可是我们只读二七节到三十节。Right, we'll read verse in Chinese. 好，我们先读中文，请。耶稣和门徒出去，要到该撒利亚菲利比附近的村庄。在路上，他问门徒说：“人说我是谁？”他们回答：“有人说是施洗的约翰，有人说是以利亚，还有人说是先知里的一位。”他又问他们说：“那你们呢？你们说我是谁？”彼得回答：“你就是基督。”耶稣郑重地嘱咐他们，不要把他的事告诉人。English grade one, two, three. Jesus went out with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, "Who do people say that I am?" They answered him, "John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others one of the prophets." But you, he asked them, "Who do you say that I am?" Peter here answered him, "You are the Messiah." And he strictly warned them to tell no one about him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for that amazing time of worship together. That your word says that you you come, you inhabit the praises of your people. 主啊，你自己话语说呢，你自己亲自呃设立在那些敬拜的人当中。And we believe that your word has power, power to change, power to transform. 主，我相信你的话语是有能力来带给我们转变的。And you know every single person's heart here this afternoon. So Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? 今天下午你也知道我每一个人心中的需要，圣灵帮助我们。In the name of Jesus, we pray. 奉耶稣基督名祷告。Amen. Amen. Amen. Are you guys seated? 好，请坐。All right. So Mark starts out showing us that Jesus in verse 27, he takes his disciples to this place called Caesarea Philippi. 那我们知道马可在二十七节就说，耶稣带门徒出去往该撒利亚菲利比这个地方去。Now Caesarea Philippi is 25 miles north from where they were. 那这个地方呢，该撒利亚菲利比是在他们的往北的二十五里远。And it's a long trip, and he takes them there. Now, why would Jesus take his disciples so far up north when he's about to start his road towards Jerusalem? Now, this word, this place, Caesarea Philippi, was actually a really important place. 其实该撒利亚菲利比是一个很重要的一个城镇。The first reason was is because as Jesus is standing here. People believe, scholars believe that he's standing in front of this rock face, this big mountainous cliff. 那其实呢，当时耶稣站的这个地方呢，是在一个岩石上。And this place, Caesarea Philippi, was actually believed by the Greeks to be the the place of the god of the underworld and the god of of different kinds of people. 那该撒利亚菲利比呢？这个地方其实呢，也是当时在呃希腊这个文化里面，他们认为呢是好像一些世俗的这一些神话里面的神住的地方。And as Jesus is asking his disciples this question, the rock face that he stands in front of, the locals believe that's the door into the underworld. 那当时呢，在那个地方，耶稣站在这个。这个岩石前面呢，是也是呃，当时的这些人他们认为呢，进到这个地狱的门的这个入入口。Now on the other hand, this place Caesarea Philippi was actually renamed because Herod gave it as a gift to one of the Caesars. 那该撒利亚菲利比这个其实也是重新更改的一个名字哈，因为是西律王呢，为了纪念这个该撒这个凯撒。And so Mark wants us to see the weight of this that Jesus is standing in between these two things. 那我们呢？为什么会看到马可来写这一这一这个经节？就是说，他要让我们记得两件事。You have Greek mythology on one side. 我们在这一边呢，我们看到有希腊神话。But then you have this political empire type power on the other side. 但是在另外一方面呢，它又代表着一个政治性的一个这个民族主义。And Jesus, in between those things, asked his disciples, "Who do you say that I am?" In the midst of all of this. 那耶稣就站在这两个不同的见解当中，然后问大家说：“你们认为我是谁？” 
And as the disciples, they answered him, he said in verse 28, some people say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others one of the prophets. And Jesus is asking his disciples, he's saying, listen, what, what are people saying about me? You have, you've talked to the crowds, you've talked to religious leaders and teachers. What are people saying about me? What's my reputation like? And as you look at their answers, we see some people thought that Jesus was John the Baptist resurrected. They thought that he was one of the prophets. Those aren't necessarily bad things, are they? I mean, if someone came to you and said, man, like, you just have this really, like, this, this, this impression that you're a prophet of God, I don't think any of us would be like, oh, man, that's not, that's, that's offensive to me. But what Jesus is saying is that public opinion, this reputation that he has of just being a prophet, it's not enough. And, and as, as we look at the text, what we have to realize is, is that the majority consensus of who Jesus was, was wrong. And it's important, as Jesus asked them this question, he wants them to know, what are people saying about me? In our current culture, what do people say about Jesus? Who do they say he is? What do they say he's done? And Jesus, when he asked the disciples this question, what he's trying them to see is that public opinion of who Jesus is is shallow and it's wrong. That this whole text, Jesus is calling his disciples to something deeper than just having an opinion about who he is. You see, everybody from you know, the taxi driver in Taiwan to Donald Trump to celebrity, they're going to have an opinion about who Jesus is. Really easy for you and me to get caught up into the public opinion of different kinds of things. Especially right now, we have Facebook and YouTube and all these kind of social media. And, and what you'll find, man, is, is people, man, they, they love giving their opinion and arguing about their opinion all over these kinds of, of places. But what we don't realize at times, and maybe you don't know this, but the people that actually made those social media vehicles, they did it in a way where you would only hear and only see what you already believed. And so if we're going to Facebook and YouTube and all these other things for our source of spiritual truth, what Jesus is saying is, it's going to be wrong, it's going to be shallow. In fact, if, uh, if, if you even think about our context right now, anytime there's a fight or an argument, what do people usually do? They whip out their phones, they record the event, right? And, and usually they record, this is the worst moment of this person's life, most likely. There's no context before the event, there's usually no context afterwards, it's just this, just this pure shot, this video of this person's worst moment. And then it goes viral, right? Everybody gets to see it. And then the public opinion of that person is 
They're a monster. Their life is ruined. They can't even get a job sometimes. 那民众舆论就开始讲啊，那个人真的是怪兽，他呢是最不好的坏人。And so right now, as Jesus is calling us to have a much deeper understanding of who He is, that if you just stay in this realm of public opinion of who Jesus is, you'll miss it. 那耶稣就在这里讲了，如果你们一直要听着民众的舆论来认为耶稣是谁的话，那你就错过了一个很好的良机了。Jesus asks His disciples, "Who do people say that I am?" Because He knows, as He makes His way to the cross, there's going to be a lot of different people saying a lot of different things about who He is. 那耶稣在这里也问门徒说，人说我是谁？基本上呢，他想的很多人都在讲论他。And it's important for us to know that. 其实让我们理解这一点很重要。When we first started City Light Church, we put a Facebook post of, of an event that we were having as a church. 我记得我们刚开始这个设立教会的时候呢，我们就在 Facebook 上面讲了教会有一个特别的这个活这个活动。And I remember the the first comment that showed up on there was this foreign guy. 那我记得呢，刚开始这个活动被攀出来的时候呢，第一个回应的人是一个外国人。And this white boy, of course, said. Why don't you take this poison, you know,、um, crazy religion back to America where it came from and stop messing up Taiwan? 然后这一外国人这么写，你为什么不要把这样子一个疯狂的这个宗教呢带回到美国，就是那一个开始这个疯狂宗教的地方？ This guy obviously had an opinion of what he thought about Christianity, and it was completely wrong. 那这个人呢，他认为他对基督教教义呢有一个想法，可是很清楚的知道这个想法是错的。But it's important for us to know those things. 但是让我们明白错的想法也是很重要的。That it's important us to know, like, what does my neighbor believe about who Jesus is? What do what do the people I play basketball? What do they believe about who Jesus is? 让我们了解别人或者是我的邻居他们在想什么，这个是很重要的。Because it helps us respond to those questions. 因为当我们理解的时候呢，会帮It helps us understand how to communicate the gospel in a much clearer way. 帮助我们用更清楚的方式呢，去表达一个福音。And so Jesus, it says here in verse twenty-eight, twenty-nine, they answered him these things, but he turns to his disciples and he says, "But you." He asked them, "Who do you say that I am?" 那在二十八、二十九节呢，他们说呢，他是怎么样的人？到二十九节又问他，你们说我是谁？ And then Peter responds in verse twenty-nine. He says that you are the Messiah. Peter, in verse twenty-nine, he replies, "You are the Messiah." This is the question that has been asked the whole book of Mark, and this is the turning point in the rest of the gospel that Peter finally gets it right. That in the whole book, this the first of these Mark questions, he is always asking this question: "Who am I?" If you look at Mark 4:41, they ask this question. It's it's after they、uh, have the incident in the boat, and it says that they are terrified and they ask one another, "Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey them." This is the question of Mark: Who is this guy? 所以马可福音第四章四十一节，那个时候耶稣在船上，然后他们就大大惧怕，彼此说：“这到底是谁啊？”连风和海也听从他了。这个就是马可一直在告诉我们，大家在问的问题：这个人是谁 ？And Peter says, "You are the Messiah." 彼得就这么回答：“你是基督。”You're God's promised one. You're the one that is going to save us and rescue us from our sins. You are the Lord. 你就是那个上帝所应许来要来拯救我们从罪里面出来的人。你是主。Now I know that there are some of us here who have strong opinions about certain things. 我知道在我们当中有一些人就是对一些事情很有他的想法。You know that if I ask you about wearing a mask, there are some people who are going to say, absolutely, if you do not wear a mask, you're not loving people. 那我如果问你说，哎，大家一定都要戴口罩，那我们当中一定会一定会这样想。如果你不戴，你就不爱人。Maybe there's some people here who thinks wearing a mask is just a big conspiracy. There are some people in here who have an opinion that you can eat anything you want, anything that's put in front of you, you can eat. 那也有人就说了，反正放在你前面什么食物你都可以吃。But some of us have strong opinions and say, well, unless it's certified organic, comes from a farm that's nice to animals, I'm not going to eat it. 但是有人就觉得说，不对哦，这个不是这个有机的，那个不是什么什么的。Yes, and so. And so it's okay to have strong opinions about those things, but when it comes to the person of Christ, Jesus knows that opinions are not enough. 那我们知道有这个想法没有关系，可是耶稣在这里告诉我们说，虽然你有很强烈的想法，但
是这些都不足以来构成你知道我是谁。That Jesus knows that you will not risk your life, give your life for a mere opinion, and so He's calling you and calling us to something so much deeper. 耶稣不是只是舍了生命让我们来讲更多关于他的想法，而是把我们呼召进入到更深的地步里面去。Say, listen, Peter and the disciples, if you just stay in this realm of believing what everybody else says about me, and you don't come to this place where you confess that I am Lord, you will not make it. 那耶稣也在讲啊，彼得啊，门徒啊，如果你们都一直跟着社会的舆论，然后不到我跟你讲我是谁的这个地方的话，你绝对走不到终点。And yet, as Peter answers rightly, he says, "You're the Messiah. Something has to happen in order for us to go from staying with public opinion to a personal confession." 当然，彼得在这里有个转变点，他就说，你就是基督。可是我们也要看到，怎么样能够从一个民众的这个舆论当中直接的。If you look at Matthew 16 verse 17, this is Matthew's account of the same story. And after Jesus,、uh, after Peter responds to Jesus with this answer, "You are the Messiah." This is what Jesus says to Peter. 那当彼得回答说你是基督这样子的事情的时候，在马太福音十六章十七节，这个耶稣这么回答。Good morning, Jesus. Jesus said, "Yeshua's son, uh, Yeshua's son Simon, you are blessed because this is not your son, but I am your father. Then Jesus responded, 'Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven.' Jesus calls Peter blessed. Jesus calls Peter blessed. Why did Jesus say that he's blessed? It's because he has an amazing life. His work is going great. He says he's blessed because something has happened supernaturally. We can actually look at Jesus and say, "You are who you say you are, and you do what you say you'll do." 都不是，这里耶稣说他是蒙福的呢，是因为在他生命里面有一个超自然的事情发生，然后他就能够直接的跟耶稣说，耶稣，你说你是谁就是谁。And I want us to step back for a moment because this is Peter. This is the guy that walked with Jesus and saw him speak to demons, and demons came out of people. That this person, he walked with Jesus, and saw him speak to demons, and demons came out of people. That this person, he walked with Jesus, and saw him speak to demons, and demons came out of people. That this person, he walked with Jesus, and saw him speak to demons, and demons came out of people. That this person, he walked with Jesus, and saw him speak to demons, and demons came out of people. That this person, he walked with Jesus, and saw him speak to demons, and demons came out of people. This is the same Peter who, while he was in the boat and the waves were crashing upon the boat, Jesus spoke to nature and it obeyed him. This Peter also saw Jesus speaking to nature. This wave and the sea obeyed him. And yet Jesus says, "This guy still needs a supernatural miracle of the Holy Spirit to see Jesus for who he is. How much more do we need that?" 这么多的神迹奇事，可是耶稣却说，这样子的人都还需要从圣灵来的这样子的一个呃超自然的能力。我们这平凡人难道不需要更多吗 ？That if you're sitting here and you can sing from your heart like we did, shout to the Lord, Jesus, you are good. Jesus would say, you are blessed, and it's a miracle of the Holy Spirit that we can do that. 如果说你坐在这里，你可以就像我们刚刚敬拜一样，就说我们来欢呼我们主耶稣基督。耶稣就说你就是蒙福的。Because the fact is, is there's thousands and millions of people who see Jesus, hear about Jesus, but they do not see him as Lord. They do not see him as their treasure. 千万的人都看过耶稣，但是他们却不把耶稣当成那一个宝。And so what Jesus says is, listen. If you can confess that I am Lord, if you can sit here and say that you are a disciple of Jesus, we are. We can rejoice and say that's a miracle that's happened in our hearts and opened our eyes to see Jesus. 其实呢，在我们的生命里面，如果我们眼睛可以被打开，看见真实的那位耶稣的时候，这真是一个神迹。And there's a story of this couple when they first got married. They cleaned out their house and they started selling all their things. 那有一对夫妇，他们刚结婚的时候呢，就开始整理他们的家里，然后呢，开始变卖他们的东西。And one of the things that they sold was this like crumpled up old document from the、uh, from the Declaration of Independence. It was like this American really early history document that they sold. 他们要卖的一个东西里面呢，其中一个是当时这个独立宣言，然后就是张张的
Really old document. And they sold it for like a hundred and tea. They just sitting in the garage, they didn't care much about it, they saw it, it was just kind of trash. Another guy shows up at the store they sold it to, he recognizes what it is, he buys it for three dollars. And he ends up he ends up selling it for over half a million US dollars. Because it was a real verified document, it was a treasure and he saw it. And all I'm saying is, if you and I here today can look at Jesus and see Him as our treasure, and not just a prophet, not just a teacher, not just a miracle worker, it is because the Holy Spirit has done something in our hearts that we can do that. And in the same way that if you're here, you wouldn't say that you're a Christian, you haven't confessed. Jesus is Lord yet. But, but, but all of a sudden you're seeing the teachings of Jesus and before you were completely against Christianity. And now all of a sudden you're saying, wait, wait, wait. Jesus, man, it's really, he's really kind of blowing me away. I'm seeing more and, and I want to know more. And if you're like, wow, there's actually something changing in my life as I read the Bible, I want you to know that you are experiencing a supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. So the first thing about this confession is that it involves spiritual revelation and actually revealed to us from the Holy Spirit. The second thing is that as we confess that Jesus is the Lord, it works itself out in spiritual transformation. Now, you know that if all of a sudden the disciples move from this place of saying, okay, Jesus, you're just a prophet, I kind of stay on the outside to Jesus, your Lord. It changes their life. That this confession takes them from having an opinion about Jesus to obeying Jesus. And that this is one of the most difficult parts because you and I both know that once we say Jesus is Lord, it involves us being obedient. And living lives under the authority and the lordship of Christ. Um, it just involves us living under the authority of Jesus. He's Lord, not us. There's a, there's a philosopher, this guy named Soren Kierkegaard, but he says this. He said it's so hard to believe because it's so hard to obey. That if we're honest, it's a lot easier just to have this safe opinion about Jesus. We can kind of criticize what he says here and, and criticize what he says there. But in order for us to actually fully come under the authority of Jesus, it actually means we're going to be obedient to his word. And so that means for those of us who confess Jesus is Lord, means Jesus is Lord, not us, not you, not something else, right? And, and that should change everything about our lives. The way that we do our finances. 
The way that we operate in our marriages. Right, I was thinking for those of you who are business leaders or leaders in school, that the idea that Jesus is Lord it should change the way you lead your employees, it should change the way that we teach and we coach. Because it means that we can't treat people in the way that we just want to treat people because we have a higher authority, a higher standard that comes from this confession that Jesus is Lord. I remember, uh, it should change the way that we parent. I remember I was sitting my kids down and I told them, I said, hey, listen, you need to listen to me. I'm your parent, your child, right? Works every time. So it works every time. To which my son responded several times. He says, yeah, but you have to listen to God. And he's right. This confession that Jesus is Lord means that I'm not Lord. Jesus is. So I want us to see that this confession that Jesus, that Peter makes about Jesus, number one, it comes from divine revelation, but it works itself out in spiritual transformation. It should change our lives. And so does our lives, the way that we live them, does it reflect the Lordship of Jesus? Alright, if we continue, it says that after Peter confessed this, right, this is the right answer. Everybody in this has been waiting for. Peter finally gets it right. In verse 31, what does Jesus begin to do? It says he began to teach them. That even though Peter got the right answer, Jesus still needed to teach them about what this all meant and what this is all going to look like. And for those of us who are in Christ, even though we've committed our lives to Christ, it doesn't mean we stop growing in Jesus and understanding who He is. There's so much that He wants to teach us. Yesterday we went to this wedding. Some of us uh, went to this wedding. And it was one of our friends here, some of you guys might know his name is Young. And can you imagine if, you know, after the wedding, which was yesterday, if Young was sitting with his wife, Bonnie? And Bonnie turns to Young and she says, hey, you know what, I just want to share just some of the stuff from my heart. I want to continue to tell you who I am, what, what makes me me. And what if Young looked at her and responds like, I'm good, man, I'm good. I know enough. I mean, I know enough to get married to you, and that's enough for me. We're all shaking our heads, but how many times do we do that to the Lord? That we tell the Lord Jesus, I'm good. Like I know enough to get saved, and I'm 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 okay. Lord, I don't need to grow. I don't need to continue to know about who you are. But in the same way that marriage is the beginning point to this lifelong journey of knowing your spouse, salvation, this confession that Jesus is Lord, is the starting point of the unsearchable riches and growth and knowledge of who Jesus is and what he wants you to know about him. Second Peter 3.18 says this. 
It says, continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That it's a command. That are we hungry? Are we hungry? Do we continue to understand that we need to be taught and, and have divine revelation from Jesus? And it says that Jesus began to teach them, but what did he begin to teach them about? If you look at verse 31, it says, He was it began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, scribes, be killed. And rise after three days. Now, now, when you look at this this word "son of man," it comes from the text of Daniel chapter seven. And as soon as the disciples heard this word, "son of man," they would have this picture of power and glory and majesty. But it says here that this glorious, majestic, powerful one, it says that he's actually going to suffer many things, be rejected, and ultimately be killed. And Jesus in verse 31 says that it was necessary for these things to happen. This word necessary means to be unavoidable, determined by prior circumstances. In Acts chapter 2, 23, this is what this is what the apostles say about this. It says, He was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, and yet you lawless people nailed him to the cross and killed him. It's really important for us to see God's sovereignty, His kindness, His grace, as Jesus begins to talk about the cross. And for many of us, we've heard this so many times, it's like, okay, yeah, we know Jesus goes to the cross. But for his disciples, the people that he's walked with, the people that have seen him do these miracles, the people that think that there's coming a victory and a new empire and a new kingdom, they're completely shocked by what Jesus begins to talk about. And as I thought about this, this prophecy, these words that Jesus was telling his disciples, what we have to remember is that Jesus' death does not end in tragedy, but it ends in victory. And I thought about, you know, how many Taiwanese stories and myths and all these things that happen in Taiwanese culture, a lot of them end in tragedy. And yet here Jesus says that his death is so different because it doesn't end in tragedy, but it ends in victory. Alright, so then in verse 32 it says that Jesus began to talk openly about this. And then that's the moment when Peter begins to take him aside and say, Jesus, listen, I need to give you a few, a few pointers. In verse 32, it says, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. I love this about Peter because in the same story you have Jesus telling him, blessed, you're incredible, you got this exactly right, and the same story says, get behind me, Satan. But this is exactly who, this is how we are, guys. This is discipleship. There are moments when we understand, we get revelation, we 
get it. And then there are moments when we come to the scriptures and we're like, Jesus, and the word of God is saying, you got it wrong. Get back in line. We have to repent again and, and have faith to believe what the word of God says. And so it says they begin to rebuke him. But Jesus, turning around and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter in front of all of them and said, Get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. There's a couple of things that Jesus points out to us here as he rebukes Peter. The first thing is that as Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, that's the same word that he uses in his temptation. And it is, here's the thing, Satan's agenda for your life, Satan's agenda for Jesus' life was self-preservation. Save your life at all costs. Do not give it, do not give your life away, do not sacrifice your life, preserve it at all costs. That our culture will tell you, save your life at all costs, right? But Jesus calls us to lose our lives for the sake of the gospel. And it's, it's easy to be really hard on Peter, right? Say, Peter, come on, you took Jesus aside to try to rebuke God himself. But how many times do we do this? Do we have this idea that we think we know better than God? And as I look at the scriptures and I look at the gospels and I look at my own heart, there's really only two responses when we come to this moment where we realize what God is asking us to do, what God is telling us to do is different than what we want to do. One is surrender. And the other is to walk away in pride. So as Jesus rebukes Peter, he says this, you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. What, what are God's concerns? What are the things that He cares about? I want to end this, this time together by looking at a, a good moment for Peter. We'll end here, but I want to go back to this thing because I think this is what Jesus is getting at. If you go back to Matthew 16, 18, after Peter says this to Jesus, Jesus tells Peter this. We can read it first in Chinese. Matthew 16, 18 says this, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Two things. Number one, Jesus says that he will build his church. That if Peter actually got what he wanted, taking Jesus aside and saying, Jesus, this is ridiculous. We have a good thing going here. Save your life. It's ridiculous for you to allow yourself to be killed. That, that Peter would not be saved from his sin. That Jesus would not have died on the cross for our sin. And God's sovereignty is supposed to be something that brings us joy. It's supposed to bring us to this place of worship because He knows what's best for us. It's going to give us the most joy and bring Him the most glory. And in the same way, God is sovereignly and miraculously building His church. It's a promise. The second thing he says here in this promise is the gates of hell will not overpower it. 
So basically, he's standing in front of this rock face, the literal gate into hell. He's saying, nothing is going to be able to overpower or hinder the proclamation of the gospel. And then finally, the third thing that Jesus says about this, he says, on this promise, on this gospel proclamation that Jesus is Lord, this is what I build my church on. This is what prevails. And it's happening. As you look at this text that we just read, Peter and the disciples were all people, except for Judas, who confessed Jesus as Lord, but then also gave their lives for him. And these were all men from different walks of life. None of them were completely the same. That this confession, Jesus is Lord, I'm willing to die for it, came from fishermen, came from doctors, came from a tax collector, came from all these different kinds of men. Because here's the thing, as we look at Christianity, what we're going to find is Christianity is not an Eastern religion, it's not a Western religion, as that one guy thought. It's a global movement of all people groups confessing Jesus is Lord. Look at this really, oh, it's really small. But basically, this is a map, and what it represents is this, if you had a hundred, hundred Christians, sixty-seven of those people would live in Asia, Africa, or Latin America. But so many people think about Christianity, they think of white people, white faces, and churches. That's not actually accurate at all. Only 33 would live in Europe or North America. Sixty-five of those Christians would actually live in cities as opposed to countryside. Sixteen would speak Spanish. Ten would speak English. Three Mandarin Chinese. Sixty-four of those hundred Christians would be between the ages of fifteen and sixty-four. So what does that say? That means this is that if you and I go to the tip of South America, guess what we're going to find? We're going to find Jesus building his church and a group of people confessing in Spanish, Jesus is Lord. And what if you go to the heart of Africa? You're going to find Jesus building his church and his church confessing Jesus is Lord. And if you go to the Middle East where people are risking their lives, what will you find? Jesus building his church and his people confessing him as Lord. And if you look around this room, Different races, different languages, different backgrounds, confessing Jesus is Lord. Why? Because one day, Revelation 7, 9 through 10 says this. I looked and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language 
which no one can number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white robes and palm branches and in their hands. And they all cried out together in one loud voice, Salvation belongs not to my God, not to your God, but to our God, because Jesus is the Lord. 启示录七章九到十节，这些事以后我观看，见有一大群人，没有人能数得过来。是从各邦国、各支派、各民族、各方言来的，他们都站在宝座和羊羔面前，身穿白袍，手里拿着棕树枝。他们大声呼喊说：